hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And today we have just a plethora of topics to get to. I don't think I'm even going to list them at the top. We're just going to launch right in. Off we go. So you were saying that you had found some. I found some, for me, really binge-worthy TV series. I'm having so much fun with them. The first one I found is called Baptiste. It's a crime drama, and it's not Scandinavian the way I really like. Nevertheless, it's really well-written and really compelling storytelling. It's pretty cold in parts of Britain. Yeah, it is a little cold up there. And, you know, the Vikings invaded Britain, so there's an overlap. So there is, in terms of our language, too, we picked up a few things from the Old Norse when the Vikings came down. So there is overlap. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's still chilly, (laughs) which is important. (laughs) It's very important to me. So Baptiste, oh, my God. It's great because it's a crime drama, and it's full of twists and turns. But when they happen, they're completely surprising, and you had no idea that it would twist that way. And yet, it's so completely believable. It reminds me of Sondheim it's says... Sondheim, it should be surprising, yet inevitable. And inevitable. It's exactly yeah. that. It's so well-written. I'm having trouble even thinking of the plot because I've already gone on to the prequel. It turns out Baptiste is centered on this retired cop. Oh, yeah. It's about uh, Romanian crime gangs in Amsterdam and the prostitution oh going on there. And it's, it's Wait a minute. It's, Romanian crime in Amsterdam does not sound British. That sounds like it's right up your alley. It's almost Nordic. It's Nordic adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's Nordic enough, let me put it that way. But, you know, it could be anywhere. It's, it's really, it's so well done. You always have a flawed cop who's at the center of things in these, that's yeah, the yeah. formula. But he's not as flawed as most. He's retired, he's a little aged, and he has a limp. But other than that, he's not flawed at all. In fact, he's the most comforting character in the show. He's so compassionate, and he's just great. You just love him right away. He's kind of a father figure. But he also has trouble because he gets obsessed with these crimes, and then he ends up getting his family in danger because of getting too close to organized crime in in Amsterdam. But what's so delightful about it are the story twists that keep coming, and they really are extreme. Like someone that you thought for sure was in this camp, and suddenly it's like different. Sometimes when the writing's real good, you have this feeling like you're in good hands. Uh Like you can trust the story. You just, you feel cared for as a viewer. It's like, ha, ah, I know this is going well. I know this is going to be good and I can surrender to it and I can let go of my imagination and sink into it. I feel that way when there is a lack of someone asking me to be stupid over plot things or mm-hmm. character things. When right. someone doesn't ask me to pretend that something that's an obvious blip that they didn't know how to deal with in the script. Right. And to overlook that and just kind of go on from there. I found that with Ozark a little bit, actually. I thought the writing showed a little bit in Ozark. That Sometimes you can see the script through the actors, yeah. you know. And with this one, it's not. I think also what's key to these things is they get really good actors who are so believable. Another formulaic thing in these shows I've noticed is they'll pull in actors from different countries. I think I read somewhere that they do that on purpose to make these things marketable internationally so they can sell it in the States, they can sell it in France, they can sell it in Britain, that sort of thing. But this is actually a British production and it's in English. There's a lot of foreign language stuff but you're not supposed to understand it. So even with the subtitles that I watch so I don't miss little details, they'll say 
they're talking in Romanian. They don't go ahead and translate it oh, unless, oh. unless you need to know. If you need to know what they're saying for plot reasons, they'll actually translate it into a subtitle. But the writers are named Jack and Harry Williams. I'm going to look up and see what else they've done, things that I can look for and find of theirs because yeah. they're just That's brilliant. That's a good idea. So as I was researching it, it turns out that the character, the main character is a French actor named Chequi Cario. That's a mouthful. So he plays Julien Baptiste. But it turns out that there was a TV series done in 2014 for BBC called The Missing. It's another crime drama that takes place in a small town in France, but it's the same character and actor. So it's Chequi Cario again, playing Julien Baptiste, only it's before. I'm watching them out of order. So he's a modern day Hercule Poirot. He is kind of a Columbo. <laughs> he's like a Columbo. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. He's yeah. so down to earth, you know. Rump- um, yeah. Gosh, this one's about, there's two seasons. This first season I'm watching has to do with child abduction. I'll just go that far. That happens right in the start. So it's no, yeah. no big giveaway. But again, the acting is so sharp and the story turns are so unexpected but so so satisfying when they happen. You uh-huh. know, it's like, oh my God, I didn't uh-huh. see that one coming. Also, this takes place in two time periods. The initial crime took place in 2006, and then it clearly didn't get solved because they're coming back to look at it again. So you're getting flashback and flash forward between the original crime yeah. and the present day. Okay. But they manage it very well. <laughs> the main way you know which time zone you're in is that his hair is very neatly combed back when it's 2006. (laughs) And then his hair is very shaggy and loose and kind of wild when it's 2014. But they don't make it hard for you. So they'll put a subtitle up if they need to that says present day or says 2006. So that's what I'm talking about. They take good care of you. They make Uh make sure you know what's happening. Right. You don't have to go, what the hell? Who is that character? Well, I think those kinds of plot-heavy things, they become difficult to watch. And I rarely get through one of those episodes of Ozark without flaking a little bit in the middle right, of it. It's right. just it's hard to focus that much on that much plot. It's true. But th- yeah, this one's really delightful. I'm, I'm having so much fun with it. I'm going to regret when I finish up. But well, Maybe there will be a third season. Could be. It's just so rare and so great when you find something that really draws you in and is a pleasure to watch. I feel that way about Mrs. America, although oh, I've yeah. only gotten through Phyllis Schlafly and Gloria Steinem. I talked about it last week, but it is so great to see all of these female leads and these wonderful actresses. And there's no stupidifying the right. message or the language or the time or the place. It's just as intelligent as it needs to be. So now you said you had a run of things. Was that the oh, on TV? highlight? Those are the two that are most interesting, yeah. So there is one season of each of those shows, is that correct? No. <laughs> there's one <laughs> season of Baptiste, and there's two seasons two. missing. Of the older one, I see. Yes. It's, it's hard being in a coronavirus environment and trying to keep up. I think living through YouTube and Zoom and Amazon and... Netflix, I think there's something brain-related that made me, anyway, less functional. Ah. I think it's the lack of in-person interaction. I think there must be a part of your brain that gets stimulated and used when you're in the presence of another human. Yes. That doesn't happen when you're watching through video. I can say that, let's see, last week I took a bike ride with Donna Marie and had about probably 
two and a half hours spent with her between riding a bike and splitting a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And that has sustained me for a long time. That was yeah. significant. And that made a big difference. Well, it was probably um, good wine. <laughs> it was very, very good wine. I must that say that. Excellent taste. <laughs> but since I don't drink very much, I got quite tipsy, but really pleasantly so. I mean, the last drink that I had was with you at your place, whenever the hell that was, six that's, weeks ago. That's many weeks ago. Many, many weeks ago. And I've been stone cold sober ever since, just because I don't feel like drinking alone and don't, you know, it doesn't have much appeal for me. Except right. I will say today, now you did your 10,000 steps, but I had a plan. I decided that I was going to drive to the beach because I haven't been to the beach in such a long time. And it was Mm -hmm. so hot here during the day. And it had been so hot that I just decided I would go out, get on PCH and go as far as I felt I needed to and just see the ocean. I don't remember the last time I went to the actual ocean. I've been to Venice, but I haven't Mm -hmm. been to the beach in Venice. So I, I drove out there and there was no traffic on the 10 getting out there. There were cars, there were definitely cars on Pacific Coast Highway, but there was no one on the beach. There was not a single body. I thought that there would be people who were interlopers or surfers, somebody out there who just couldn't help themselves from going. There was not a single person on that beach. It was really spooky. I mean, there were police cars and parking enforcement all up and down PH. Even so, I was shocked. Not go onto the beach because of the no, there was no way. I mean, there were signs, there were cops, there were there were barricades, there were barriers. It was really different looking. And yet mm-hmm. it was so great to be out there. It was so great to take my little car that I never drive more than 20 miles at a time, mm-hmm. just to take it out on the road and drive it along and see it get up yeah, to 70 yeah. miles an hour and the wind in my hair. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's freeing. I'm not a driver. I'm not someone who loves to get in a car and just go, go, go. That's all my years on a bicycle have made me a very cautious driver. All right. But there's something very liberating and emotionally freeing about it that I highly recommend. I just think it, it's a great thing to do. We're so close to the ocean here. And yet mm-hmm. I know that I don't get there nearly enough. Very good. And you, you did your 10,000 steps I've done today. two days in a row of 10,000 steps. I'm oh gonna... my God, you must be so healthy. Well, I wasn't going to do 10,000 today. I was going to do 20 minutes of walking because I decided I have visceral fat. And I have no medical basis for that. I just saw a piece on it on the internet and I decided I have it. Is so, it internal fat? Is mm-hmm. that what that is? Okay. It's fat in the gut and it's bad for you. Now, I can't see in there to see that I've got fat there, but I have noticed a bit of, let's just say in the stomach area, a bit of protrusion going on. I can tell it's inside. Um, The beauty of it is, even if I'm wrong and don't have visceral fat, all this walking is good for you in any event. Yeah. So it'll help me either way. So I was going to do 20 minutes today. They said, start by doing 20 minutes three times a week. But I think I'm already past that. I think that's for very, very, very sedentary people. So I'm going to try for my 10,000 steps. Oh, five days a week. Wow. And how long does it take to do 10,000 steps? You know, I haven't timed it. But yesterday I walked down to Laurel Canyon in Ventura to get something that was waiting for me at FedEx. And uh-huh. instead of driving down there, I walked there and back. And that's almost exactly 10,000 steps. It's less than an hour. But I, I walked kind of slowly. Then today in my article, it said brisk walking is better. So I, I walked oh. briskly today. That's really great. 
Isn't it funny though, with this being locked inside, these very simple acts of going for a drive or going for a walk or going for a bike ride, they just take on such a larger sense of adventure and purpose. I couldn't agree more. I really have to structure that because I can go for a day or maybe two without going out. But if I do more than that, I'm not good. I've got to get out. You know, part of what I was experiencing was not only was there this coronavirus, but I felt under siege to this heat wave because I really couldn't go out. I mean, there was nothing I could do that was physical activity Mm -hmm. going outside. That was just a non-starter for me. It was way too hot. And normally I might even go to the Y and use the pool if it was that hot. But obviously that's not an option. Not an option right now. Yeah. can I just whine for a moment about the Sondheim thing that oh, we sure. get to watch? What was so frustrating about it was seeing Stephen Schwartz. Oh, this is Stephen Sondheim 90th birthday tribute that was supposed to be on Broadway.com and YouTube. Five our time. Five our time. Yeah. And we waited, what, half an hour mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And yeah. then suddenly Raul Esparza, is that his last name? Yeah. It pops up. We see yeah. him for a few moments. Then the screen is gray. He's in a little tile in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Then there's a larger-than-life Stephen Schwartz with right. bangs, which always drives me crazy about him. He always has bangs. Oh, was he the one playing piano? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Sure. I don't know who that was. So then he plays a whole thing. Did you recognize the piece? Because I, I thought oh, I did. Yeah. It was the Overture to Follies. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe I didn't recognize it. Okay. So he did that. He thanks Stephen Sondheim, wished him a happy birthday. Then we got Raul Esparza with no sound, talking to the camera, oblivious to the fact that he had no sound doing yeah. what looked like a kind of an intro patter. And then yeah. he became more and more confused and more and more agitated and more and more conflicted about <laughs> the fact that he was not able to get the sound to work on his right. little studio that had been set up for him. Right. And then everything went just completely black and we ended up with the leading ladies from Broadway, which was, if I'd had the patience to sit down and watch it, I would have probably enjoyed it a great deal because I saw Audrey McDonald and B.B. Newworth and Julie Andrews all kinds of superstars. Wait, when, when did you see them? They came, That came up in place of the Sondheim. Oh, a past video, not yes. a live. Oh, no, no, no. That would have been too good to believe. It was oh. quite an old one. Because I just, I reloaded the page and it just said the video has been withdrawn or has been taken away or something. Yeah, I tried that on my phone and that's what it said. Yeah. Oh. So disappointing. I feel bad for Stephen. That must have been really oh. upsetting for him. He's such a perfectionist. Yeah, I don't know about that, but it was sad for all all of us not to get to see that. Well, there were so many people. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, Randy yeah. Rainbow, Patti Lapone. I mean, it was as many stars as there are in the heavens. That's true. They're all at home doing nothing, so maybe they can redo it. I hope so. I really do. I was so looking forward to it. It was just one of those things that I knew I would remember for the rest of my life. It was going to be just like that night that we saw him at the Hollywood Bowl, that we saw that. That's on YouTube. You can see that too. It's great. Oh, really? For those of you who aren't Stephen Sondheim fans, I don't know what to say. It is <laughs> truly an obsession with, with me, and I know it is with you, Mike. So to miss it is really tough. It, it was, was a disappointment. But we're adults. We'll get over it. Hopefully there will be another version of it sometime. I guess everybody was going to participate via Zoom, which is, right. I'm getting yeah, so used to it on now. their little laptop computers. Yeah, that was going to be the charm of it, I thought. 
But I yeah. don't know how they were going to get, there had to be 40 minimum people that were listed as being part of it. Not only that, but they how do they get the, the music to go with it? I mean, oh, unless right. it's recorded. Those singers have to have their music, otherwise it's very hard to stay on key. I that know. would be hard. They should maybe think about doing what the National Orchestra of France did. The National Orchestra of France had each player play on their particular instrument the entire score of Ravel's Bolero. But they didn't do it live. They each taped themselves doing Ravel's Bolero at, at a certain speed and, and made sure that they were tuned to the same level. Okay. And then they had a technician splice it all together. And you can see that on YouTube. If you search for National Orchestra of, of France, Bolero. And oh, I love it's Bolero. Brilliant, because it starts with one flute player in his living room and then all suddenly they add one clarinet and the others two and then an oboe comes in and now there's three and it keeps building like that so that by the end oh my god this grid of like 50 people oh but it's, each one taped it and they were able to be careful about how to splice it together so i can't wait to see it so that's been done since the coronavirus yeah happened. that was done like i think about three weeks ago i heard about wow. it somewhere and it's one of the most inspiring things you've ever seen you get the purity of each musician's technique and instrument, and then you're also seeing them as an individual outside of a theater or a concert hall, but in their apartments. And so you get a sense of their humanness. And if you're getting cynical about the human race, it kind of offsets that. You get a little I'm nice, so warm feeling of like, about it. hey, you know, as humans, we do have something to offer. I will definitely look that up. It's the National Orchestra of France. Orchestra. But then you have to put in Bolero because if you don't, there's tons of YouTubes of their normal concert. I have something to recommend to you since we're talking about the arts. It's mm -hmm. Art Talk with Mike and Ruth. There's this great thing on Instagram. So it means you have to go on Instagram. It's called COVID Classic. And there are these regular people who recreate the classic. It could be Caravaggio or it could be as abstract as anything. But they recreate these classic paintings with everyday objects. And sometimes they look far from market. Sometimes they get really creative and it's wonderful. They do like one every couple of days. And I'm not sure how many people are involved in it. I thought it was a whole colony of people, but I'm not actually sure that there are that many. There might be as few as 10. And it's just wonderful. They have Judith taking Zeus's head, it's a woman standing over a man, back, and you know, there's another woman standing over. It's just, it's so great. So, COVID <laughs> it's like you too on your phone. And you can you can follow them and just follow them. going to do it for us. We're going to wrap it up here, Boomers. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you again in a week. Stay safe. See you soon, Boomers. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.